Grant thou also, as we are gathered here with many needs, to supply those needs, dear Father, that thou only knowest, and use thou the vessel in spite of his weakness to thy honor and glory. We pray humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd like to read and meditate with the Lord's help out of the Word of God as found in Luke chapter 22. It's a long chapter. We'd like a portion to read a portion of it. Beginning with verse 1. Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entered in. And ye shall say unto the good man of the house, the master said unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room furnished, there make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the wine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread, and gave thanks, and brake it, and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. 
But behold, the hand of him that betrayed me is with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do these things. And there was also strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. For whether is greater, he that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. <clears throat> and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny me that thou knowest me. <clears throat> and he said unto them, When I send you without purse and script and shoes, lack ye anything? And they said, Nothing. Then said he unto them, But now I he that had a purse, let him take it, and likewise his script. And he that had no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you that this that is written must be yet accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors, for the things concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, there are two swords. And he said unto them, It is enough. And he came out and went, as he was wont, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. <clears throat> and he was withdrawn from them about the stones cast, and kneeling down, prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. I've read up to verse 42. <clears throat> For us, <clears throat> is recorded and preserved the events that took place in the last days when Jesus Christ walked here below, things that are of utmost importance, of utmost importance, for us to believe, because by believing them, God will justify us. By embracing them and obeying them, he 
he will save us to the uttermost. <clears throat> now the Feast of Unleavened Bread through night, which is called the Passover, a very important feast of the Jews of Israel, which was instituted by the Lord at the time when Israel was freed from slavery in Egypt to go to the promised land. And the instruction was to them, after all those signs and wonders that the Lord did on the Egyptians, the plagues, finally convinced Pharaoh to let them go. after this event. <clears throat> Pharaoh was angry and said, you shall not see my face anymore. And then the Lord decided, now it was the time. And he instructed the Israelites that they should kill a lamb, take off the blood, strike the lintel and the side of the door with the blood and stay in the house that night and eat the Passover meal, the lamb, ready to depart. For the angel of the Lord was going throughout all of Egypt and where he did not see that blood on the door, he would go into that house and slay the firstborn. And so that's how that name came about, that whenever the angel of destruction saw the blood, he would pass over. He would pass over. He would not go into that house to stay, slay the firstborn. And those that obeyed, their firstborn was not slain. But the Egyptians, which didn't do those things, including Pharaoh's first son, was slain. And that was the event that finally released the Israelites to go. And ever since, they are celebrating the Passover, even now, even now, they are, to commemorate as they were instructed so long ago. But that was only a foreshadowing of what should come of the perfect sacrifice and the lamb that God did provide and the blood that would be applied to those that believe and that judgment would pass over those. And that was the foreshadowing of the lamb Jesus Christ. He became the Passover of those that believe in him. Closely tied to it is the Lord's Supper, which also we read is, has been instituted here <clears throat> at the time when he should be killed. And we see here <clears throat> how the chief priests and scribes, they sought the, how they might kill him, but they feared the people. They didn't want to do it openly because many people did believe that Jesus was a prophet, that he did those miracles, and they believed many on him. 
So <clears throat> they feared the people and didn't want to do it openly. But the Lord in his plan said otherwise, in spite of what they said. <clears throat> Judas was found as one that was willing to betray his Lord. He knew that the chief priests and scribes wanted to kill him, wanted to apprehend him, and <clears throat> it was a premeditated thing that he did. He says he went his way. He promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. One may wonder, how can it happen that somebody that walked so close with the Lord Jesus, that saw the miracles, that saw what he did, and heard what he said, and that such thoughts would be entertained by him, and that premeditately he would seek opportunity to betray him. I find that hard to understand, except if we deny the truth, it causes blindness. In another part of the gospel, it says, he was a thief. He carried the bag of the money that people gave to support the ministry of Jesus. And looks like he thought all right to take some for himself. He says he was a thief. I, that's the only hint that I can see that because he did those things and persisted in them, more and more darkness crept in, deceit. And that can happen to us too. Though we became the children of God, yet if we allow a sin, a persistent sin in us, it will cause some blindness. It will cause some blindness. Now, the Lord is very long-suffering and patient with us, and he makes abundant provision for us to save us and to keep us if we heed it. But it's still our choice. And we make daily, we make choices. But let it not be a choice whether we want to follow Jesus or not. Let it be choices that honestly and sincerely we seek, is it right in the sight of God? Because if we give in, it can cause some blindness. To reject the truth causes blindness. We read later on in the epistles that <clears throat> because they received not the love of the truth, God gave them over that they should believe a lie and sent them strong delusions. You have to love the truth, not just Oh, well, I accept it. You have to love. You have to really want it. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It comes down that you will find the truth in its glorious declaration is in Christ Jesus. And to toy with untruth, to toy with lies, will cloud your vision. And it can lead you to that. I, I first thought, find no other explanation to understand how is it that Judas could do those things. But it's a warning to us, beginning to me, not to allow 
even a lie, an untruth to keep, to harbor. The Lord didn't judge him right away. We don't know how long this was. It says that we figured the ministry of Jesus Christ was about three years. For how long did Judas harbor those things? And it finally culminated with him. He saw many times that Jesus Christ escaped out of their hands when they wanted to kill him. And he thought, well, maybe make a little profit of that. That's how Satan can work, with a little lie to blow it up. That started already in the garden. Had God said, is this really that important? Does it matter if I do this? Is it important? That's why the gospel is so unique that it puts it right squarely to us whether we really are willing from our whole heart to follow the truth. Not like other religions. You you do this, you're right. You kill them, you are assured a place in heaven. You do this, you have a reward. No, no. It puts it right squarely to us. The truth searches us out. And that's why it's so important that we are exposed to the word, to the truth. That we see those examples, some of them bad examples, but they're also given unto us to warn us. And then we see also good examples. Lately, we have been talking about Daniel during CFG and what example he was. Persistent, consistent, dependable, seeking that which is right and pleasing in the sight of God. Even down to the food when he was offered as a young lad to, to eat from the king's food. He realized that wasn't right according to the law, that this would make him soft in an environment that was hostile to faith. You know, how many times we accommodate because it's convenient to things in this world? How many times the Lord's business is the last thing? Whenever we are pressed, whenever things go wrong, oh, we take care of some things, But if you have some time left over, maybe we go to the Lord's thing. The day of unleavened bread, beginning with the Passover, there was an institution of seven days where they would eat unleavened bread to commemorate the fact that when they left Egypt, they didn't even have time to bake the bread to let it, the leaven work to raise the bread, to make it fluffy to eat. Unleavened, they had to do it quickly because they left. It was so urgent that they were commanded to leave, and the Egyptians themselves uh, urged them to leave because they were afraid that they're going to be all dead. And they even gave them jewels and gold and things. Just leave, leave. So urgent it was. And, and they commemorated this by also eating unleavened bread. That's why it says there came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover was to be killed. <clears throat> and the Lord sent Peter and John to the city, I gather it was Jerusalem, to prepare the Passover. 
it may seem strange to us that uh, they didn't know where they were going to go. But I gather that was the practice then, because many people came from different parts of the world to celebrate the Passover at Jerusalem, and they would rent a place, and, and <clears throat> people would rent to them out a place where they could keep the Passover, which had to be killed and, and prepared. And so Jesus sends Peter and John, said, go to the city. And when you see a man carrying a pitcher of water, which was not a common sight, because to get the water usually was the women's business, not a man's business. So that was notable that says, in the house that they enter, go and say, where is the guest chamber that I may eat my Passover with my disciples? And so they furnished it and got it ready. <clears throat> and they sat down. And we know what was going to happen. We can imagine in some way the things that went through Jesus' mind as he sat down with his disciples. The disciples didn't know. They thought they were going to have a nice Passover together. They enjoyed it. But he knew what was before him. He knew what was before him. And he said unto them, We desire, I have a desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. On many occasions, he had told them that he was going to suffer, that he was going to die. But people like to hear what they want to hear. And so it was with the disciples too. They missed it. They didn't take it to heart. There were just a few, perhaps, that realized what he was saying. I think it was probably Mary Magdalene. Because Jesus said, she anoints me before I suffer. But the disciples who walked with him, they didn't realize what was going on. Jesus knew what was before him, and he says, we desire, I have desired, to share this intimacy with his disciples, to be together. You know, when it is a practice when we invite somebody, it's a level of intimacy, special, to share food with them. That was already since all times. When they agreed finally together, even those that were in disagreement, when they sat down and agreed and had a meal, that sort of sealed it. It's an intimate sharing. And that's how he instituted this. He took the cup that was probably before the meal and gave it to him. We are told that there are several cups at the Passover. But then finally, after the meal, that cup. He said, drink out of this. This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. The New Testament. A testament is perhaps an old word for will, my will. Nowadays, people are encouraged before they pass away to have in writing what their desire is, who should inherit certain things and what should be done. Then that's what a testament is as well. A testament, a legacy. <clears throat> this is my new this is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. And I said, Behold, the hand of him that betrayed me is with me on the table. 
You may ask, why didn't he warn him what was coming? All that Jesus said should have warned Judas not to betray him. We are not exempt either. We hear the word. It's been proclaimed. Don't expect that God now specifically is going to tell you, don't do this. He might, but don't count on it. He speaks through his word that's being proclaimed. And if you don't, you listen to that, you run into deep trouble. That's why it's so important to be exposed to the word, to hear it when we come together, to meditate on it, to even meditate at home over it. If somebody says, I want to follow Jesus, but has no hunger for the word, it's the same that he doesn't want him to talk to him. Because it's God's way of talking with us. Don't say you are serious about repenting unless you really have a desire for Jesus speaking to you. He lets you go. He lets you choose. He's so fair, he cannot be accused that he's, he's forcing his salvation on anyone. And some may say, well, why didn't he do it to me? He does. He calls. It's being proclaimed by his witnesses. And that's our job, that we be witnesses of the truth, the truth that must be believed. Jesus said, for this reason I came into this world to testify of the truth, and he is the truth, and did those things that we must believe. But behold, the hand of him that betrayed with me is with me on the table. We have several accounts of the gospel <clears throat> by different authors, <clears throat> inspired by the Holy Ghost, as we believe. And it's good to read the similar passages in the several accounts. And they even asked, who is it? Who is it? They asked among themselves, who is it? that would do these things. They were perplexed. And Jesus did point out to John, the disciples, who it was. And the, and the sad verse was then, after he ate that sup, Satan entered him, and he went out, and it was dark. What a darkness for that soul to actually do when he had the last opportunity still to turn back. He went through with it. Oh, he repented of it, it says, afterwards. When he saw that Jesus was going to be killed, oh, he went and, and, and told them, I have betrayed innocent blood. I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what's that to us? And he took those 30 pieces of silver which were prophesied already in the, in the Old Testament, took them and threw in the temple. And they were so... They had such scruple, the, the, the Pharisees and the leaders, that they said, what shall we do with this money? We cannot put it in the offering box because it's blood money. Yeah. They were so painstakingly thinking that they were keeping the law, that it was all right to accuse somebody falsely and kill him, and, 
and yet oh we will not go into the, into the into the hall with Pilate, lest we be defiled, so we can eat a Passover. They will not use the money for, for temple births because it's blood money. Oh, they were so painstakingly. Oh, you can be so religious. I don't do this, I don't do that, and so forth, and yet be so wrong in the sight of God. That's why God searches the heart. And if you are willing that God searches your heart, he will reveal to you What's wrong? People think of themselves quite good because they look at other people. They look at the atrocities that are committed in this world, people that are killed or tortured, even little children, terrible things we sometimes hear. And think, oh, I'm not that way. I'm not that way. And you always will find somebody that you think is worse than you, but that doesn't justify you in the sight of God. Doesn't just God puts it squarely to you. He searches out the heart to see whether it's right. <clears throat> Truly, the Son of Man goeth as it was determined, because it had to be. There had to be that sacrifice by sinful men. They had to in order for Jesus Christ to be willing to accept all the sin of the whole world and that God would not just accept, but that God would judge the sin of the whole world on him, specifically yours and mine also. There had to be a substitute because when God declared his name, To Moses, Moses wanted to see his glory. And the Lord told him, you cannot see my face. Because there shall no man live that sees my face. But I will have a place, I will cover you with my hand. You can see me from behind. And he he will declare the name of the Lord. I like to remind my often myself of this <clears throat> passage. <clears throat> and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. That's his name. God will not change. And he has said, and they may have wondered when they read Exodus and studied it and the Jews were good and examining it and 
what it meant, that he will, he will forgive, but by no means clear the guilty. And that's where Jesus Christ comes in, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which was ordained, the word says, before the foundation of the world. Hard to understand. There are many things are hard to understand. Some things we will not even understand while we are here. But there will come a time when it says, we will see God's face. And then we will know, even as we are known. The disciples didn't know what was going on. Because even it says that, and it's sad when you think of it, when there is a great event happening that lies heavy on your heart, and those around about you entertain themselves with vain things. There was also a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest. The things that were on Jesus' mind and heart to eat the Passover with his disciples, knowing what was going to happen, and here his disciples that were close to him entertained those things. And it was not just once, it happened also on previous occasions. Which of them should be the greatest? Now, we have heard many times the word, we know it wasn't right. We may, we may sort of smile at their attitude and belittle it, but that temptation is also to us. That's to us. Because it's human nature to want to be great, to want to be accepted by his peers to like praise. And even though we say, well, well, not me, not me, but really deep down, it's human nature which has to be kept in check. Isn't it interesting, as Jesus says here, those that are in authority, they call themselves benefactors. They do good, that's what they say. They want to govern because they want to do good to the people. But my, in the process, they don't stop at slandering each other and stepping over people. And they dig into their past and find out things and then air them out in the news. And we see that it's become a real circus when it comes down to election for power. Somebody said... The politicians govern, but when they die, then they're called statesmen. But we see there are few statesmen. Not at least from the past, when you have been around and seen some that did govern because they tried to do what was right. But now it's pleasing those that can vote me in so I can govern and promise them whatever because you won't keep it. No accountability. That's why the Bible says, he that rules among men, 
must do right in the fear of God. Where there is no fear of God, anything goes. Anything goes. As the society moves more and more away from the fear of God, we see worse and worse things happen. And it comes back as it was in the time of Noah, because the the world was filled with violence, and, and man's heart was continually inside to do evil. And then God said, it's enough. This is likewise, there comes a time like Noah. Yeah, it says, oh, they shall marry and give in marriage. Yeah, this night. No, but remember, it was filled with violence. And man's imagination continually was evil. And we see it again and again. It's more and more open. We see the time is ripe. Ought not to make us way more careful on how we ought to walk, beginning with those that proclaim the word, because they are doubly accountable. They will receive double if they speak and don't do. It again, it puts it right squarely to everyone. Write them. And God who searches the art, he knows. He knows. But ye shall not be so, but he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief, as he that doth serve. It was really heartwarming last night at testimony night <clears throat> to hear that specifically two of the young ones, it was testified over and over again, they have a servant heart. How willing they are to serve, to do menial tasks, like shoveling the driveway for somebody. It was, again, and I was pleased to hear that. They have a servant heart. Oh, there's such a need for servant's heart. Because too many that want to be served just, that come, expect things to be ready, and nice, and then leave, they have visited. There are just too few servants' heart. Few servants' heart. It was very heartwarming to hear that two of them at least, maybe the others too, but that was testified of many of them. And speaking of, <clears throat> of the testimony last night, now one soul was exposed to the word of God early and had seen the Lord's working in the lives of others and itself and promised and promised, again and promised, but always not now, not now, not now. Till finally, by the grace of God, says, now or never. They have to. Don't look for a more convenient time to seek the Lord. Tomorrow is not promised. If you find it easy to make an excuse now, you will find it even easier next time. Because the heart will harden. Your sight will dim because you have again neglected to obey the truth. Again, human nature, good intentions, good intentions. And the incident here with Simon, when the Lord specifically says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. You know, Now everything is done so mechanically, but then when the wheat was threshed and there was chaff in it, the husks of the wheat kernels were still in it, they had to be separated. They did it sometimes by 
throwing it in the air and letting the wind blow the chaff away and, and the kernel would fall to the ground. And Satan was going to do that in a figurative way, but he was really going to give hard time to Peter to sift him, to get the chaff out of him. And God would allow it. God would allow it. God allows Satan to sift you. And Jesus did not pray that Satan may not sift you. Let's see what he said. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Satan was going to sift him. And we know the account that followed right after this. He was going to sift him. But the Lord prayed that his faith fail not. What a prayer. What a prayer we know we should pray. Because the Lord prays it too. We should pray for another, for another that our faith fail not. Yeah, we pray that the temptation goes away, as Jesus also prayed, but thy will be done. Thy will be done. For for sure that your faith fail not. Let's pray that. And Peter had good intentions. And the Lord, I'm ready to go with you both into prison, and not only that, into death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not grow this day before thou shalt thrice deny me that thou knowest me. Oh, Peter didn't believe that. But it came to that. It came to When he really was pressed, when he really was pressed, and he wanted to see what was going to happen with his Lord, he was the one that went to the high priest's palace and <clears throat> the other disciple got him in there. He had good intentions. But when he was pressed, you are the one, you're also one of his disciples, he denied him. Not only once, three times. Oh, sometimes the Lord puts us, lets us be put to the test that we fail and we recognize and he does something to us. It humbles us and it makes us realize that our strength is just nothing against the wiles of the devil, that we need the Lord and that he will give grace only to the humble. And that happens, I believe, to everyone. Happens to me too. He lets me fail. And remind me how weak really I am. He was at the place, he said, and I pray that you enter not in the temptation. And the prayer that the Lord even taught his disciples says, and lead us not into temptation. And he instructed, pray that you enter not into temptation. Humble yourself that you enter not into temptation. Know that you depend on the Lord. But, and if we toy with temptation, if we choose to toy with temptation, what remedy is there? Except he lets us fall and then that we allow him to pick us up again. 
And let's hope and pray that we have not gone too far. But don't test how far you can go. Don't try it, because you don't know. Judas tried how far he could go. Maybe he still believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Maybe he was just testing how far he could get away with it. It is greed. And he failed. Let's not tempt the Lord. The Lord is gracious. The Lord is merciful. The Lord is long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, but yet no means clear the guilty. And let's remember what it cost so that we be guiltless in his sight. To him we are the honor and glory ever. Amen. Another thing that I noted with the converts, how they testified of the love they experienced from the brethren. Jesus said, this is, by this the world shall know that you are my disciple. And where love grows cold, the truth goes out too. Now, to have a heart of service has a way of stimulating love. And that's a truth that the word tells us, says, Jesus said, he is that loves me that does what I say. Deeds of service help that love grows brighter. May the Lord of God go with us. To him be all the honor, glory, evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.